When it comes to expressing your own personal style with jewelry, would you say you're more of a trendsetter or a trend follower? Or would you define yourself more in a traditional sense? Well, in today's podcast, I'll be sharing an overview of current jewelry trends and steady traditions and how to balance the two for a lasting jewelry wardrobe. Today's Jewelry Navigator podcast is Jewelry Trends and Traditions for 2023. Welcome aboard. Hi there, I'm Brenna Pakes, the creator and host of Jewelry Navigator podcast, a platform where I share entertaining stories and informative tips for smart jewelry choices. I'm a graduate gemologist from the Gemological Institute of America with an undergraduate degree in geology. As a former staff gemologist to independent jewelry stores, it's my pleasure to be your guide to the enticing world of gems and jewelry. With over 23,000 downloads, I share visits with gem and diamond specialists, jewelry designers, and insider tips. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Jewelry Navigator podcast episodes on your favorite audio platform available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Thanks for joining me and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Jewelry Navigator Podcast. I have some really exciting things coming up. So as I talk through today's episode, I'll kind of hint at them, but you'll have to be sure to be tuning in to make sure that you follow up and hear what I'll be up to and who I'll be visiting with. But today I want to talk about an overarching or umbrella theme that I have planned for 2023. So much is changing, and sometimes people don't really know where they are with, um, you know, extra spending for jewelry or what to do with what they already have. So this year, I thought I would spend some time focusing on those kind of issues and helping you guide yourself through these decisions. You know, as we grow into our personalities and our styles things change. We're attracted to, when we're younger, we're attracted to trends and things that everybody else is wearing and doing. But as you get a little bit older, you get really confident with who you are and what defines what you like and how you want to express yourself. And I've kind of found that with myself. And as I talk to some of my other friends, the same is true. And I want to help everybody at different stages of their lives or different stages of building their wardrobe, their jewelry wardrobe, into growing into things that they already have and planning for things that they might want to add to them. So that's what this podcast is going to be about a little bit. But I wanted to introduce the theme to you today as we go through the year and I visit with jewelry designers and gem cutters and specialists in the field who have their finger on the pulse of styles and trends and what to look for and how you can enjoy them yourself without breaking the bank. So I have some really fun and exciting guests coming up that um, you'll just have to, like I said, stay in tune for. But before we go any further, I want to thank some really special listeners who are following me on Podbean, which is the parent platform from where I publish Jewelry Navigator podcast. While you can hear me on platforms like 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can always find me on my home base, which is Podbean. And I just want to thank a few followers who have taken the effort to listen and download the episodes. And Dahlia to Max, thank you so much, Dahlia. Uh, Subi12, Army, Akunamatata, <laughs> Arrow, PJ, and my Ricci. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for following me on Podbean. And like I said, I have some exciting announcements coming up. Something I want to test and uh, kind of try is a live stream. I did one from Tucson a couple of weeks ago with Mary Vanderay and Todd Wax, and that was really cool. But I didn't give enough people preparation or a heads up of what I was doing. So I want to maybe test that out on a Saturday morning, maybe 8.30 in the morning while people are kind of having their coffee, getting ready to go out to farmer's markets or whatever you're you do on Saturday mornings. Um, let me know what you think. I would love to get some feedback from you. Feel free to uh, reach out to me. Brenna at jewelrynavigator.com is my email address. I also have a Facebook page, Jewelry Navigator. You can always visit me there and I'll be posting updates on the podcast and things that are coming up with uh, different things that I'll be doing. So stay tuned for that. So let's kind of dive in here. I did some research for this podcast because a lot of times I just am cruising along, paying attention to what I like. And a lot of times I'm not a big trend follower, but I certainly appreciate trend jewelry and things that are on trend. So I needed a little help and did some research, like I said. So give me a second. I did take some notes and I want to just follow along with what I did. Um, oh, but before we dig into what I found, I want to define what a trend and a tradition is. Went straight to the dictionary and sometimes you kind of come to a blank when you're figuring out what just a common mundane word is like trend. You kind of know what trend means. It's a style or a fashion, but I want to put it in perspective with jewelry. But by definition, a trend is a fashion, a vogue, a style, a craze, a mania, a fad, or a thing. So trendy jewelry can be things that come along the scene really quickly and people get really excited about and it becomes a really big hit for um, you know hard and heavy and then it just kind of peters out but then it may come back at another time think of like initial jewelry you see that come and go fairly often and a lot of times it's targeted towards younger audiences where it's more relevant for them as you know an age relevant type of jewelry item the colors of metal come and go rose gold comes and goes i don't know probably like every 10 or 15 years it makes a resurgence and becomes popular Again, whereas the white metals and the yellow gold metals tend to be more traditional. Another really good example of a trendy jewelry item are the, I'm going to use the name Pandora because that's basically who started it, but the charm bracelets that you thread onto the snake style bracelet where they became highly collectible and were super popular really quick for a couple of solid years and then they just kind of 
faded away. It's another form of a charm bracelet, but there again, it was a trend and it came really fast and heavy, and then it just kind of petered out. Who knows who's to say that they will come back again, but jewelry is a personal thing and it also tells a story. And these kind of things are great at telling stories. And then a tradition, I had to kind of look that up. We kind of all know what tradition is. And when you think of it, it's like family traditions or um, traditions that are handed down uh, through, through different families or practices. But I found some really good help in... Um, in an article by Sienna Livermore, she came, she quoted, and that's in um, House Beautiful, October twelfth, two thousand eighteen. And I'll I'll reference these in my in my show notes that you can find on my Podbean um, my Podbean website. But traditional style is inspired by tradition, which is a timeless style taking cues from the 18th and 19th centuries, incorporating classic art, antiques, and pieces with history. So if you kind of think of tradition, those are the kind of things that come to mind. And especially when people say, I want a vintage look or a vintage style engagement rings, or I just want something really classical. And when you think of those kind of things, a lot of symmetry comes into mind or that really pretty scroll and punch work in the, um, the vintage, what comes to mind, the vintage engagement rings. So those kind of things come to mind with traditional styles. But what we want to do is be able to blend the two and have pieces in our wardrobe that we can wear in, you know, current modern styles, but also that are complemented with classical things that we wear on a regular basis. Harper's Bazaar had a great article by Amelia Madden, and that was from February 10th, 2023. And what I found was I, I looked through um, and took a quick overview of the article. It's a great article and it's very visual. Lots of great examples of what we're going to be talking about today and things that are coming back or have have sustained style over the past couple of years. And a lot of things have um, have changed and grown from pandemic time when we all were closed in and we couldn't go out, we couldn't go on cruises or trips. So a lot of people had money to spend and they spent it on jewelry. And I'm not talking about like just diamonds and rings. I'm also talking about um, high-end watches, which is a whole other topic that I would love to delve into. I have a perfect guest in mind, so um, stay tuned. But anyway, reference this article, Harper's Bazaar, the 2023 jewelry trends experts say everyone is wearing from timeless investment pieces to playful statement styles by Amelia Madden, and that was published February 10th and just this year, 2023. So it's brand new and fresh which is exactly what I'm talking about. You want to be able to balance the two and make smart choices so things don't end up sitting in your jewelry box, but you can continue to wear down the road. 
One thing that stood out that has made a big comeback besides rings and big statement pieces are earrings. Because if you think about it, people are now starting to go back to the workplace. And when we were at home on the phone or doing Zoom calls, a a lot of us women didn't even bother to put earrings on. And now they're coming back big and bold. And there are a lot of great examples in that piece from Harper's Bazaar. And I can also be posting things on Instagram. Be sure to follow me and I'll follow up with some examples of some big and bold earrings. Other notable returns that are kind of reminiscent of things that you might find in your mother's jewelry box or even in thrift stores or vintage shops are big, clunky, chunky cuff bracelets, which are always fun to wear. And um, so take a look at those. But I want to encourage you to kind of expand your horizons. And if you do want to try out some of these styles, but you don't want to spend a lot of money on them, do go to go to garage sales, go to even estate sales that might have um, costume jewelry. It's a fun way to pick up some things and play around with it. Let's see. Oh, continuing to stand out are large colored stone rings. And I'm super excited that colored stones are remaining in the spotlight because that's one of my that's one of my big deals. And being a gemologist, I gravitate towards that. I love colored gemstones. I love the variety. I love that the focus is on rare and unique stones, like a lot of the things that I've been showcasing, the uh, demantoid garnets and blue zircons and these luscious, delicious champagne to rosy mahenge garnets. So a lot of rare and unusual stones are still in the spotlight. What's another thing that I've seen just in trends, but also people wearing and requesting more and also highlighted in this article by Harper's Bazaar is the return of yellow gold. And it's, it's been kind of cool to see, once again, kind of a remnant of people having expendable income to purchase heavy gold or large look gold necklaces and bracelets, but along with that, uh, classic hoop earrings in all kinds of widths and sizes. Another thing coming back big and making um, kind of a taking a, a, a spotlight are signet and dome rings. Like, um, I remember, I think they, we used to call them shrimp rings cause it's in kind of a, sh- a shape of a shrimp, but, um, Harper's Bazaar features one that's called a croissant ring, which I think is a much more pleasant, <laughs> relatable image. Um, but it's a really cool statement ring. It's easy to wear. They're usually really comfortable. Uh, some people are wearing them on their pinky, but that's something that doesn't really go out of style and you can throw it in your jewelry box um, come back to it a couple of years later and uh, just just wear it forever. And one thing I, I do want to mention is someone who was on the podcast, a guest of mine back in August of 2019, Elizabeth Moore. I was super excited to see her ring in this Harper's Bazaar feature, her circle of fifths, 18 karat yellow gold ring with diamonds. Super cool signet style ring, nice and heavy and substantial. Um, take a look at that, if you will, and just maybe give her a little shout out on, on Instagram. I'm sure she'd love it. Um, layering gold chains, 
and um, like the heavy standout links, like a, the paper clip link is still really popular in heavy curb chains. Um, these will always be things that will be in style and also valuable. Let's see here. Diamonds. Diamonds are holding their own and bigger and more are actually making a statement. They're making statement pieces. They're standing out and the whole line, um, what we call a line bracelet, like a tennis bracelet. And the, the necklace version of that is usually called a Riviera necklace. And it's uh, just links of diamonds. And they all, they're also made in colored stones. Here's kind of a cool little tidbit historical fact. It was originally made in the 1920s or it became popular in the 1920s and it was known as an eternity bracelet. And this was well before the eternity rings where the diamonds go all the way around. It was well before those became a thing. The eternity style bracelet has been popular for quite a while and it still remains a really, um, it's a great staple in your jewelry box. And once again, gold jewelry or gold metal, gold, um, the bracelet part of it, the metal part of it, the gold is, is pretty popular, but it really depends. And you know what? There really are no rules anymore. People are wearing white metal or sterling silver and gold or white gold and yellow gold together. So it's really kind of a, it's a fun time to be building your, your jewelry wardrobe because you just do what you want it. What makes you happy? What makes your, your style stand out with the pieces that you love. And diamonds, diamond rings, engagement rings, bigger stones, larger carat center stones are big. And that's all kind of thanks to the affordability with lab grown diamonds. They're becoming huge and bigger. It's a great way to get a big look for a lower cost. And that's another topic I'm going to be visiting and focusing on this year because it just needs to be more education and more information. It's not anything to be intimidated or feared. Uh, and it just is really all a matter of personal preference. Some people just really like and remain loyal to the idea of natural diamonds, what we call mined diamonds. And then the lab grown are a really great alternative for people who, um, where affordability comes into play, or it just makes more economic sense. And then of course, not being mined and the concept of not coming from the earth and, and all of the factors that go into from mine to market, it comes straight from a lab grown laboratory and it takes a fraction of the time. It's an interesting process. And the whole, the whole story, which is like just gone super hyperspeed just over the last couple of years has been really intriguing. But as gemologists, we want to make sure that everybody is on the same page, that you know what you're purchasing. That's the most important thing. And I will, I will delve into that on another podcast. Um, I want to share a really cool backstory about the tennis bracelet. I don't know if you remember who Chrissy Everett was. She 
she's still alive. She's a tennis player or, and was big in the 1970s. And it was pretty, um, it was when women were really starting to gain momentum as, as athletes, she was exceptionally good. And in the U S open match in 1978, she was wearing a diamond eternity bracelet and it slipped off, flew off her wrist, and she stopped play in the middle of the match to go find it. And everybody had to have one because it was such a phenomenon. And it became her iconic contribution to current jewelry history. But who knew that they were something that had already been around, you know, introduced in the 1920s, like I said a couple of minutes ago, called the Eternity Bracelet. And once again, they are made in all kinds of different metals, white metals being usually white gold or platinum, and then of course, yellow gold. And that, that historical fact that I found, like I said, I had to dig a little bit and I found a great source, Marianne Fassel's Aventurine website. She does a great job of telling the story and setting the date straight. I think there were a couple of confusing, conflicting date facts in there. She established that it was 1978. In fact, she reached out to Chris Everett's publicist to verify and clarify those those date facts. But anyway, um, that's from Marion Fassel's Aventurine from August 31st, 2018, the true story of Chris Everett's tennis bracelet, because the details have never have been seriously mixed up. So it was great for um, great for me to read that. It was very interesting, and then um, the details about the um, the bracelet being established or first dis. Uh, introduced to jewelry society, if you will, back in the 1920s, there's a great little article in the Town and Country magazine by uh, Lauren Hubbard published in September 6, 2018, um, how Chris Everett's U.S. Open match gave the tennis bracelet its name. The iconic bracelet didn't always have such a sporty moniker. So that's, that's the article that I found the details about the eternity bracelet. So I hope that you've enjoyed some of these quick tips. I know this is going to be kind of a fast episode, but just kind of wrapping things up, um, be your own person and set your own style. Like I said, there really aren't any rules. Trends can be fun, but they may not last forever. Remember, what goes around comes around, but it might be a while before they come back around. Um, and you don't really have to follow any rules. If you like it, wear it, especially if it's fine and special jewelry or something special that was handed down to you. And a good rule of thumb to follow is have classic pieces to ground and center your trendy, trendy pieces around. So it's a good mix and match way to complement the trendy with the traditional. And trendy pieces and fine jewelry can be expensive. So look around for good impersonations or just to test them out. Like I said, um, thrift stores, even vintage shops can have things that you can just try out to see if you like them well enough if you want to invest in the fine version of that trend. And when you know what you like, it's a lot easier to plan and grow a jewelry wardrobe that grows with you. I hope you've enjoyed this quick episode. And like I said, I'm going to be revolving a lot of 
podcast episodes and features that I will be having on my different social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook and um, even my my newsletter that I will be getting to. I'm revamping some things behind the scenes. Also, if there are some other topics or questions that you have that you think would make great topics for podcasts, please reach out and let me know if you have any questions. I'm happy to answer them. And who knows, uh, it might make a great topic for a full-length episode. There are also over 80 other Jewelry Navigator podcast episodes just waiting in the archive, ready to be listened to with all kinds of stories about gemstones and different jewelry stories of different designers. So many fascinating stories and I look forward to sharing so many more. Make sure you tune in next time and talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye.